Welcome back to the 4 for 4 football team preview series. We go around the entire NFL, and we're going to preview each and every one of the 32 NFL teams. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand, and today we have a very special guest. Sometimes we are fortunate enough to have somebody who can come on and talk about two different teams, and that's what we have, folks, with Jonathan Alexander covering the Houston Texans and the NFL for the Houston Chronicle. He did cover the Carolina Panthers as well, so he's kind enough to join us today for a few minutes to talk Panthers and Texans. Please follow him on Twitter at John M. Alexander. John, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. So, Jonathan, let's start with the team you used to cover, the Carolina Panthers. Very interesting team this season. Last year, Christian McCaffrey gets hurt during Game 3, an amazing start. Sam Darnold looks rejuvenated. They're 3-0, and but they finish 5-11. and What do you think the mindset is here now? Baker Mayfield in. What, do you, what can you say about the Panthers entering 2022? Because they did start with a lot of potential last year. Yeah, I mean, well, I think part of the reason when we look back uh, on why they struggle uh, after those first three games, you look at those first three opponents, they faced the Jets, the Texans, and the Saints, who were uh, still trying to figure things out with the new quarterback in, in James Winston. I think, uh, you know, it's possible that we you look too much into that first 3-0 and uh, start, and then you had them, they lost their best player, Christian McCaffrey, like you mentioned. Um, and the Panthers hadn't figured out how to play without Christian McCaffrey, um, who is great in the running game, great in the passing game, and is a good blocker too. Um, so I think their mindset heading into this season is they have to win. Um, I think Matt Rule's job is going to be on the line. Uh, I think, um, you know, they improved their roster, particularly the offensive line, and they went out and got Baker Mayfield, who is better than Sam Darnold. Uh, so now they have the ability to win. Um, I think uh, a nine and eight type finish, but now they have to put it together and, and win those games. Let's take a look at Christian McCaffrey, of course, Jonathan. So when he is healthy, he is a superstar, just a fantastic back in both rushing and passing game. But I have a question here about what his plan is for this year. Cause he's only played 10 total games last two seasons. What is the plan with McCaffrey? Do you think the coaches are saying, look, Running backs get healthy. It's a violent sport. Let's just go with them. Or do you think they're trying to work someone else in and maybe reduce the load a little bit on CMC? Yeah, they went out and signed uh, Dante Foreman uh, to a deal who, you know, as you all know, had experience filling in for Derrick Henry when Derrick Henry got hurt. So I think they're high on Dante Foreman, and they see uh, Christian McCaffrey and Dante Foreman being a one-two punch. Um with that being said, you know, I don't think they'll use Christian McCaffrey as much in the running game with Foreman. So they would probably use Foreman a lot more on third down situation, third and short situations, um, goal line situations, which isn't necessarily a strength for Christian McCaffrey as far as running the ball uh, with all those big bodies. Um, and they'll use Christian McCaffrey a lot more in the passing game and, and on first and second down. So I think you'll see a little mix and they don't want to overuse him and have him uh, risk, have that risk of injury. Let's go to wide receiver. DJ Moore, Jonathan, his production so underrated. Over 1,100 yards in each of the past three seasons, 87 and 93 catch year amongst that trio. A monster 162 target season, which was six overall last year, but only four touchdowns in each of the last three. 
Now, there's only 80 vacated targets in this receiving attack, so that's six fewest from last year among all the teams, but hopefully much better QB play. Robbie Anderson seems disgruntled. Terrence Marshall, a lot of promise as well. We liked him a lot of 4 for 4 coming out of college. What's the pecking order, do you think, with the targets? Now, with Mayfield, you know, I'm not sure who's going to start at week one, but what do you think about this year? Because certainly DJ Moore just has to improve those touchdowns, but really has been a phenomenal wide receiver. Yeah, I think uh, DJ Moore, regardless of who's throwing the ball, is going to be uh, somebody you can count on. Chris McCaffrey, if he stays healthy, is going to have a lot of catches. Um, and I think Terrace Marshall is a guy who had a lot of potential. Kind of, They brought him on slow because of his college injuries. Um, I know that he's motivated uh, to perform well. I'm not as high on Robbie Anderson after last year. He had the worst year of his career. I uh, wasn't there at, um, at OTAs. Um, was at a few of them early on. Um, so I just kind of wonder how that will affect him. He wasn't there the previous year, and he struggled. Um, doesn't uh, – you know, I don't know what his relationship is with Baker Mayfield. We saw he said he didn't – you know, he went too fond of, of Baker Mayfield coming, and he was defending his quarterback. But I don't know what that relationship is going to be like. I think it depends on who Baker Mayfield has chemistry with. And we know DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are going to get theirs. Um, it's just a matter of if he connects with Marshall or Anderson. Offensive line, our own Justin Edwards here, four for four ranked the Panthers offensive line, 28th out of 32 teams, but they did add three pieces in the offseason. Uh, Ikim Owanu, who was a first-round pick from NC State, Bradley Bozeman from the Ravens, Austin Corbett from the Rams, always a critical piece of every team, but especially with this Carolina group, because obviously new quarterback play and the injury concerns with CMC. So talk about the offensive line here in 2022. Yeah, I mean, that was the Panthers' primary concern this offense and getting an offensive line uh, to protect uh, the quarterback, because even if Sam Darnold was a quarterback, which they weren't really hoping for, um, you know, they needed to protect him. Uh, you know, it's hard to, for a quarterback to perform well if they're constantly under pressure and, and the Panthers were among the worst teams and giving up pressures. Uh, so then, you know, they went out and got Ekim Ekwanu from NC state, who is a, uh, who I think was the best offensive lineman in that draft. Um, Corbett, who played on the Super Bowl team and was solid and was consistent. And you got Bozeman, who was good too. So, you know, I think the Panthers are going to be a lot better. A lot of their starters from last year are going to be second and third string players. That's ideal. So if somebody goes down, you have one of those guys step up. Um, you know, hopefully they don't go down, but I think the Panthers are a lot deeper on that offensive line than they were. And they have guys who have been proven to be good starters. Yeah, Jonathan, I agree with you. Last question, then we'll go to the Texans here. Panthers' schedule and projection. It's right in the middle, 14th hardest schedule per Vegas opposing projected win totals. Team total six and a half wins in a division with Tampa Bay, of course, as the lead team. But then uncertainty, Atlanta, New Orleans, rebuilding no Sean Payton. How do you see the schedule here and the season going for Carolina? Because I agree, this team could be much better than we're giving them credit for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, Falcons are probably going to be the second worst team in football. Um, you know, I think Matt Ryan was holding them afloat uh, last year. He helped them become that, I think, seven-win team. Um, you know, I think the Saints are probably going to take a little bit of a hit with Alvin Kamara possibly being suspended or is he suspended? Um, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Still waiting to hear, yeah. Yeah, got Jameis coming back from injury. Um, you know, so I think the Panthers are going to be competing with the Saints uh, for that second spot. We know the Bucks are the cream of the crop, and they're going to be good with Tom Brady at quarterback. I think it depends can stay healthy with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Um, and Baker Mayfield is is better than Sam Darnold, which I expect. Uh, you know, I think the Panthers can finish nine and eight, and and 
it, I don't how close that NFC playoff spot is, and you know, I don't really know, but you know, possibly they could be competing for a wild card spot. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very underrated. We know about Atlanta. I think New Orleans is very much unknown. Panthers could be very sneaky. I totally agree. Let's move to the Texans here. Team you're covering now. Deshaun Watson situation seems to have ended in terms of the Texans. Lovey Smith leading the team. Very successful first-class coach. Looks like Davis Mills under center, who certainly had his moments last year. Third-round pick from Stanford. I, I think he could be better than people think, Jonathan. Yeah, I think um... – you know, he showed towards the end of last year that he can help them. Um, he could be a solid player. Um, you know, I think the thing about Davis Mills, I think this is an important year. But, however, I don't think he has much help. Uh, you know, his receivers are a little bit better. Uh, you know, Brandon Cooks is a solid player. I w- went back and was looking at some films. Still have a lot to look at. Uh, but Brandon Cooks is a solid player. Um, you know, you you draft a guy like Michi in, in the um, third round, I believe. Um, and then you got the um, the other young wide receiver, um, his name's Nico Collins, um, who I thought had potential, even though he didn't really get much of that opportunity. I thought he had potential with a good 6'4 frame, 215 pounds, and can catch the ball. Um, you know, I think this is an important year for Davis Mills again, but their running game, I don't know about the running game. Is it going to give him enough help? Um, how's the offensive line going to be? Um, I think if Davis Mills were to have the right pieces around him, he would be able to win. But I don't know if this team has the right pieces around him. You know, it's funny, Jonathan, with fantasy, we see opportunity in situations like this. And one of those opportunities comes in the backfield. Ambiguous backfield, sort of unknown how the carries are going to go, is what we live by. Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, who was actually very productive in certain situations. That goes back to the Patriots, too. And fourth-round pick Damian Pierce has a lot of buzz here as someone that we're thinking could maybe take over this backfield. Royce Freeman, I'm a truther, Jonathan. I've been a Royce Freeman guy for years. So there's sort of an unambiguous situation. What do you think so far in terms of who's going to be the lead person? Is it Mac? But I do think, you know, Pierce is coming. Fourth round pick is some decent draft capital. Could be a factor here, even in year one. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and I've seen Royce Freeman play. The Panthers uh, signed him last year. Um, and he, I thought he played solid. He was a solid player. Um, but there's nobody there who's really a lead back. Um, I think, um, you know, you possibly have um, Marlon Mack, who could be that guy. He has, I think, among the most experienced other than Rex Burkhead, who's really more of a, a pass-catching running back. Um, you know, I think it will be a, a running back by committee type of deal until one of those guys um, – you know, emerges and maybe Damian Pierce can be that guy. So, you know, I think that's going to be one of the biggest storylines of this offseason. I think we just don't know yet. We have a lot of guys who are pretty good and probably would be great second string guys, but no clear cut front runner. And maybe one of these guys can emerge. You know, you talked about Brandon Cooks. I said DJ Moore's underappreciated. He may actually be less underappreciated than Brandon Cooks. A thousand or more receiving yards, six of his past seven years, five or more receiving touchdowns in six of seven as well. I would think it's Nico Collins, but you mentioned Michi from Alabama. There's a connection with Pep Hamilton who tried to recruit him to Michigan. Then it made a joke. I lost my relationship with him when he went to Alabama here. But Mills can throw the ball. Brandon Cooks, I think, is really going to have a monster target share, maybe one of the most dominant target shares from a wide receiver, one that we can see in the NFL. Uh, but I think Collins flashed here, but it looks like it's Brandon Cooks, Collins, and then maybe Michi. Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think that wide receiver room has the potential to have some talent. 
Of course, Michi is coming off that injury, but he can be a really good player in the slot with Collins and Cooks on the outside. I think Cooks is going to is you know is the definition of consistent. Uh, no matter what, I liked him coming out of college, um, and um, you know he kind of reminded me a little bit of Steve Smith uh, with his stature. Um, but I, I think he's a, a really great player. I think he's their top playmaker, and then I, I just think Collins has a lot of potential. Um, if he can tap into that potential and Michi uses that speed up the middle, I think that can be a really solid wide receiver core and give, uh, you know, um, you know them enough weapons along with Burkhead who comes out the back backfield. So maybe Davis Mills can, um, you know, perform a little bit better with all those weapons. Yeah, our all our Justin Edwards here, offensive line for the Texans, ranked them 30th. But we do have to say, of course, a fully healthy Laramie Tunsil, who they really made a huge move for, a big trade for, is a big help. And then they spent draft capital on Kenyon Greed, first rounder out of Texas A&M. So again, a team much like the Panthers wanted to fortify the offensive line. Of course, coming off of last year, not going to project as high. But Laramie Tunsil there with some weapons in the backfield, this running game could get going a little bit. And if they give Davis Mills time in this particular division, it could be a critical piece here, this O-line. Yeah, absolutely. Love Kenyon Green, um, Laramie Tunsil. We we know how good of a player he is, how great of a player he is, if he can just stay healthy. Um, I think uh, the Texans can do some damage. How much damage they can do, uh, I'm not really sure. I think their potential is probably like middle of the pack in the teens. Um, but um, they would have to, you know, hit on all cylinders and stay healthy for that to happen. So they did get better, um, but they still have some ways to go to prove uh, that they can, um, you know, be up um, a little higher up in that ranking. Last question, Jonathan. This has been great stuff, and we'll get you out of here. Texans, fifth hardest schedule per Vegas opposing projected win totals. Doesn't do them any favors. Hardest schedule in the division also by a ton. Over under win total, just four and a half coming off of last year's four wins. What do you think the Texans are looking for this year as success? They do have a vision of long term. That's what they're looking for. Made the head coaching change, wanted to move there. What do you think would be a successful season here by Texan standards as they try to build off this in a division that they can make some moves, but they have to sort of have some baby steps here, foundation of success year after year? Yeah, I think what the Texans have to see is, um, you know, improvements in, in their in in their younger players, players who were drafted last year. I think Stingley, for Stingley to come out and to show that potential. Um, you know, I think it's going to be another tough year for the Texans. I think somewhere about four wins. Um, you know, I, I just don't think they have, uh, you know, enough of a running game just yet to be one of those great teams. And I wonder about the offense. You know, I hated they lost Justin Reed. I thought he was a, a good player. Um, so you just, you know, I think um, Jalen Petrie is going to be good. But, you know, I do, they're going to take a step back, I, I believe. But they just need to show improvements. They need to show potential. A, a lot of, uh, what you see in teams uh, that gives you hope is the potential. You see a vision there, right? I think, um, you know, when the Panthers, I think back, you know, I've been following the Panthers for a while, being that I'm from Charlotte. I think when the Panthers drafted Cam Newton back in 2011, they finished 6-11, and 11, but you saw a future in Cam Newton, and you knew that if they added some more pieces around him, and as he got older, he would be better, uh, that gave – that fan base hope. And I think that's what you need from the Texans as well. 
That's a great, great comparison, folks. Jonathan Alexander, follow him on Twitter at John M. Alexander, covering the Texans now in the NFL for the Houston Chronicle. Jonathan, this was great. These are two teams, nebulous quarterback situation with Carolina, nebulous offensive situation with the backfield, and hoping with the quarterback here with Mills and Houston. So you provide us a lot of clarity. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic season. Fingers crossed here for some success in both Carolina and Houston. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the 4 for 4 Football NFL Team Preview Series. I'm Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter, Randall Rant. And folks, we continue to work through each and every one of the 32 NFL teams. And now we have some important teams, some big players with a lot of fantasy implications coming up today. And who better to talk about the Green Bay Packers than Mike Spofford, senior writer for the Packers.com since 2006. And he has been a sports writer in Wisconsin since 1995. So he is here to talk about the Packers and give us all the insight about Green Bay for the upcoming season. Please follow him on Twitter at Mike Spofford. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, Mike? Appreciate you having me. Yeah, very excited here. And the Packers, of course, are a lightning rod. Very important team in the fantasy community. They're the king of the NFC North, Mike. Three straight division titles and three straight seasons of 13 wins. Devontae Adams, all-pro wideout, is gone. But Aaron Rodgers, of course, is back. Green Bay is minus 190 on DraftKings to win the division. So my question is, business as usual for the Packers, or is a little bit of trepidation here with the fans heading into the 2022 season? Well, certainly with the fans, there's trepidation when you lose a player like Devontae Adams and everything that he produced, especially over the last uh, the, the last few seasons with uh, with the Packers making these playoff runs. But, um, you know, you still got Aaron Rodgers in the mix. You made another big investment on the defensive side with, you know, two first round selections that were both players off that Georgia National Championship defense and Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. The Packers feel like they're going to take some more steps forward on defense. Um, of what was a pretty good defense and a defense that really finished on a high note, frankly, even in the, the playoff loss to San Francisco, that was maybe the best defensive performance in a playoff game in the Aaron Rodgers era here in Green Bay. So unfortunate for the Packers that they were not able to, to win that game for other reasons. On the offensive side, yeah, trepidation, certainly with, uh, with losing a player like Adams. Rodgers still calling the shots. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon are potentially big-time playmakers who whose roles are, are are going to increase. I'm sure you wanna you wanna ask more about those guys as we go along. And then the uh, the rookie draft picks. There's going to be an evolution with this offense. This Green Bay offense is not going to look the same week one as it might look in November and December when these young receivers get their feet under them you know, get used to the NFL game, start developing that chemistry with Rodgers. They're going to work on it, obviously, in training camp, but it's going to be those first four, six, eight, ten regular season games where Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, these young receivers are going to feel a little bit more comfortable with this offense and with Aaron Rodgers. You know, let's talk about that receiving core. Of course, no Adams, so that's where I'm going to turn to first. Rodgers talked up Alan Lazard, talked about him being a wide receiver one, having that chance. Sammy Watkins is there. Randall Cobb, who I'm a truther for here, Mike. I love Randall Cobb. Every year just produces. And they spend high draft capital. You talked about a Christian Watson, second round pick, 202 in the draft, North Dakota State. You talked about Hobbs. Amari Rogers lurking. Robert Tunyon's trying to get back to the 11 touchdown performance. He was overall fantasy tight end six in 2020. Break down the receiving core. Tell us how you think the target share is going to go here with sort of an unknown entity for Green Bay. 
Yeah, well, Rogers made it pretty clear when he was in town for minicamp in the middle of June, met with the media, he used the line, hey, I like production over potential. And that's not to say he isn't excited about what these young receivers are going to do, but Aaron Rodgers is going into this season saying, okay, I've got Alan Lazard, I've got Randall Cobb, and I've got Sammy Watkins. Those are three guys who have been there, done that, guys in the NFL. Those are the guys he's going to lean on right away. And then what Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and maybe Samari Toure, the seventh-round pick, what those guys can do down the road is uh, is wait and see. But Rodgers is going to is going to go with what he knows, uh, at least in the early going. And he said he's he's excited to see what uh, what Alan Lazard will do when given the opportunity to uh, to lock himself in as the number one receiver in this offense. Lazard had a tremendous finish to last season. I believe it was five touchdown catches over the last five regular season games. He was over 70 yards in three of those last five regular season games. He really came on strong after he got pat. He, he did miss a game because of COVID, missed another game because of a shoulder injury. When he got past those, Alan Lazard really became a, a steady producer, even with Devontae Adams scoring six touchdowns uh, You know, over those last half dozen games of the regular season last year. So the opportunity is knocking for Alan Lazard no question about it. And then you mentioned with Randall Cobb, people forget <laughs> that big win the Packers had in November over the Los Angeles Rams, the eventual Super Bowl champions. Packers beat them at Lambeau Field in November. Randall Cobb had 95 yards and a touchdown in the first half of that game, but then strained either a groin muscle or a core muscle on that touchdown catch and missed the second half. Cobb was just really starting to hit his stride in this offense his first year in Matt LaFleur's offense. When the injury hit, then he missed the rest of the regular season, was able to come back for the playoffs. But that Rams game is one to keep in mind when you think about Randall Cobb and what he might do uh, starting out the season healthy and more familiar with Matt LaFleur's offense. Yeah, excellent point here with Lazard as well. I looked it up. Five touchdowns over the last five weeks, 70 or more yards in three of those games. He has reliability. He has players that he knows. And you made you made mention of Lazard struggling early, had to get through the injury, but really came on there. And yeah, I'm a Randall Cobb guy here, Mike. I'm a truther. Love the guy, always produces. And certainly with Rodgers under center, receiving core, it, it's going to develop. That's for sure. We just have to wait and see how it goes. Let's look at the running backs. I am an A.J. Dillon guy. I think he's coming. I'm a Boston College alum, so I'm biased here, Mike. But a 250-pound running back with a 98th percentile speed score and player profiler, and he even destroys minor league baseball mascots. I mean, what, <laughs> what can't the guy do? Only a 42% snap share behind Aaron Jones last year, but still ended up as a top 10 fantasy running back in Seattle, the Rams game, and Minnesota. Talk about Dylan's role. I think that's a huge sort of question for us. Dylan's role with Aaron Jones. Does it take a step forward, get over the 50% snap share? How does he balance here with, with Jones, who's been a prolific running back? Yeah, absolutely. I think the Packers the Packers have a package in this LaFleur offense with both Jones and Dylan on the field. I think I call it their pony package. That's kind of their nickname for it. I see that as something that they could use a lot more in this offense now that Devontae Adams is not going to be on the field. And you mentioned Robert Tunyon, you know, he's going to be still returning from the, from the ACL. Most likely I'm guessing, you know, won't necessarily be ready for week one, having, uh, you know, the ACL injury in, in late October last year. So that having both running backs on the field at the same time, I think it could happen a lot more often um, in this offense. And 
when you talk about if one is going to be in the backfield and one is going to potentially be split out as a receiver, maybe line up in the slot, the split out guy is going to be Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon is the guy who's going to still line up in the backfield. And then, you know, how does the how does the defense react? How do they want to match up with the, the threat of Dillon running the ball? Um, how do they want to match up with Aaron Jones as a as a wide receiver running, you know, a slot route, for example, or something like that? And Aaron Rodgers then reacts to uh, to what he sees from the defense to try to uh, to try to get the offense in the in the in the best possible play. So I think uh, Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers are going to experiment a bit with uh, with both of those running backs on the field. At the same time, we're going to see it a lot more. And um, you know, th- those two guys. Each one of them had over, I believe it was over 1,100 yards from scrimmage if you combine rushing and receiving. They both were 1,100 plus last year, which was the only the second time in Packers history that that had happened with a pair of running backs. With Devontae Adams no longer around, it's it's certainly conceivable that, that both those guys being at 1,100 plus, maybe they both get to 1,250 plus or 1,300 plus. I mean, who knows? Um, because I think the opportunities are going to come their way when uh, when Devontae Adams is not catching 123 passes. Yeah, Dylan came on strong as well, and, and Aaron Jones can siphon a lot of those targets from Devontae Adams, that's for sure. Offensive line now, Mike. Our own Justin Edwards here, 4 for 4 ranked the Packers offensive line third heading into the season. They lost a lot in free agency, but they also then battled through injuries last year. So Josh Myers, uh, David Bakhtiari, of course, one of the best tackles in the game. Elton Jenkins, they missed 36 combined games last year in the regular season, and that's ignoring all the other small issues that came up on the line. Talk about the O-line, especially back to Ari. Is he going to be back and ready for the start of the season? Because this is one of the foundational pieces, one of the best offensive lines in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what everybody is wondering is, is what is David Bakhtiari's status going to be next Wednesday when uh, when the first practice of training camp kicks off? And quite frankly, we don't know right now. Uh, Bakhtiari... As you know, he came back for the regular season finale last year, played a half of football. Everybody thought that things were pointed in the right direction, everything, but then he did miss the playoff game, wasn't able to play. This spring, the Packers held him out of OTAs and minicamp. He stayed working with with the rehab group. He did not take um, the snaps and the regular drills and whatnot through through the offseason workout. So, Everybody's wondering exactly where Bakhtiari is going to be. If he's lined up at left tackle day one of training camp, then, hey, it's all good to go. And then you start wondering, okay, when is Elton Jenkins going to come back from his ACL injury from November? He got hurt in the in the second Vikings game. I'm sorry, the first Vikings game uh, last year in November. And then, you know, when you get Elton Jenkins back, then where does Elton Jenkins play? Because he, he can, he could play either guard spot he could play right tackle if they're still looking to to figure things out there there'll be a, a legitimate competition for uh for the guard spots and right tackle in training camp um assuming that Bakhtiari is going to is going to settle in and be back at left tackle but then you know where Elton Jenkins fits into the mix when he's healthy and ready to go at some point during the season is the other question to watch 
Really quick, I want to mention the defense as well. You talked about how they had a great performance in the playoffs last year. Sort of the key here, I would think, because you're looking for a little more balance. There's a little uncertainty with Devontae Adams not being there in the offense. But really, that's the foundational piece, I think, that can get them over the hump. Because listen, we know, Mike, we get into late into the playoffs here. Cold weather, you have Dylan, you have Rodgers, future Hall of Fame quarterback, and a solid offensive line. Just give a little quick talk about the defense here with you know some of the draft picks they had. Yeah, I mean, I think they're excited to see what the, those two Georgia guys can do. You're going to have Quay Walker lining up alongside Devondre Campbell, who was a first-team All-Pro inside linebacker last year. First time in a long time that the Packers got All-Pro recognition at that position in their defense. And then you're adding Devontae Wyatt into that rotation on the defensive line, you know, next to Kenny Clark. Dean Lowry, a, a solid, reliable veteran. And Jaron Reed was brought in as a free agent, played you know five seasons with Seattle, then one season in Kansas City. Packers are bringing in Reed to, uh, to bolster that, uh, uh, that defensive line group as well. In the secondary, I mean, you're, the Packers' nickel secondary, when you look at Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, and Adrian Amos, those three corners and two safeties, that nickel secondary is as solid one through five as the Packers have had in quite some time. They're they're very certainly very, very excited about that group. The one question that I would have with regard to this Green Bay defense is the depth at edge rusher. Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, solid one-two tandem on the edges to get after quarterbacks. Nobody behind those two at edge rusher is really a proven commodity of any kind in the NFL. They have a lot of young guys who are going to be battling for those three and four spots. They like to have four guys so that you do have a bit of a rotation during games, but who those three and four are going to be and how effective they can be to take some of the workload off of Gary and Smith so that those guys don't have to play you know, 1,100 snaps over the course of the season and potentially still be fresh down the stretch and maybe for another playoff run, that's going to be a big key from a depth standpoint as to where this Green Bay defense goes. This has been great, Mike. Just one more question, then we'll get you out of here. Packers schedule and projection right in the middle with the 15th ranked strength of schedule per Vegas opposing projected win totals. Defense has been around 19 to 21 in DVOA per football outsiders last two years. Green Bay win total right at 11. Juice is on the over. Schedule sort of up and down. Looks like to me a few tough games and a couple easy games and some more tough games. So it's streaky. How do you project Green Bay this season for 2022 looking at the schedule and your thoughts on the year as a whole? Yeah, I when I look at the schedule, to me, it's not even necessarily about, about where certain opponents are lined up. I look at two things. One, they don't have their bye until week 14. And number two, they don't have a Thursday night game, which is where you get kind of a mini bye that weekend off after a Thursday night game, a little bit of rest. They don't have that Thursday night game until week 11. The Packers are playing 10 consecutive games, 11 if you count the Thursday night there, really without any kind of a break. But if they can survive and be in good shape after those first 10, 11 games, you get a mini buy. Then a few weeks later, you get your full buy heading into the stretch run where you feel like you're going to be in position to win the NFC North and get back into the playoffs again. This could really work out well for the Packers. But those first 10, 11 games without any kind of a break and a London game, a, a trip to London in early October mixed in with all that with no real break around that. It's going to be a, a gauntlet of sorts in terms of in terms of the team's stamina, the team's health, and all of that. They need to survive it because the breaks are there later in the season. But where are they going to be uh, after those first 10, 11 weeks?
Folks, Mike Spofford does amazing work for Packers.com since 2006. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Spofford. We know the Packers are NFL royalty, and Mike gave us some great insight here, actionable information that we can use for the fantasy season moving forward. Mike, thanks so much for a few minutes here at 4 for 4. Best of luck on the season. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike.